How can I fail to love you? How can I fail to love you? How can I fail to love you? To love a God as kind as you. You will never leave me You will not forsake me And it is safe to love you Your promises are yes and amen How can I fail to love you? How can I fail to love you? How can I fail to love you? To love God as good as you. Changing world. You stay consistent. You give me strength to carry. What gift can we bring that's fit for a king? What song can we sing? What song can we sing? It's ever-changing world. Hebrews 6, please give it to me before I continue. You stay consistent. You give me strength to... What gift can we bring that's fit for a king? What song can we sing? What song can we sing? There is a song steep in my heart. It's birthed by God's Spirit straight to the throne. There is a song deep in my heart. Birthed by God's Spirit straight to your throne. New King James. Receive it, Lord, receive it, Lord, receive it. Receive it. Okay. Hebrews chapter 6. I want you all to read it at the same time. 1, 2, 3, read. So Hebrews 6 verse 1. Now, we have been dealing with the topic of the mountain. Now, let me, let me give you a picture for those who uh, choose when to come to church. Hallelujah. There are always those one or two candidates who believe God for... Yeah. And <laughs> um, we've been dealing with the mountain series. The whole essence of the teaching from the onset. We, we talked about revelation. Remember we talked about 
epignosis and all those things because it's a revelatory teaching. And then we reached a place. Epignosis is simply food discernment, by the way. It's just food discernment. Okay. So, um, we've been dealing with the mountain series. Please, if there's one, continue. Okay. So, we've had... We've been trying to establish the fact that as believers, we have come to Mount Zion. That is where we are. And Mount Zion is... Uh, we, we talked about how in the Old Testament, and this is something I'll touch on again next week, but we talked about how there were certain things which were a shadow of things to come. And we looked at how Mount Zion is spiritual. And the Bible says you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, uh, to the city of the living God. And that's a scripture that birthed this church, by the way. So this is one of my favorite topics to teach. Now, let me explain why I'm teaching this topic and why I'm teaching it the way I'm teaching it. Because you are supposed to climb up the mountain. God spoke to John and said, come up hither. Can you imagine Moses was on the mountain, but God still told him, come up hither. And that's one of the teachings we'll be doing, I think, in about two, three weeks. Where it doesn't matter what level you are at, God is requesting you to come up. But for now, for the sake of everyone else, what I'm dealing with is now that I've reached the mountain, now that I know that I'm dwelling on Mount Zion, what next? Okay? Now that I know that I'm dwelling on Mount Zion, what next? And today, by the way, this whole teaching, the whole concept of the teaching is for everyone to grow up spiritually. If I was to tell you some of my thoughts, I believe we can bring a lot of um, spiritual, economic, physical, mental change. And I believe that the greatest tool to bring change is through the church. I'm saying this because as important as education is, and as much as education works on your reasoning, we have come to discover that there are a lot of educated fools out there. A lot of them. And real transformation comes from the word of God. But the trouble that we have, the reason why we've been trying to get a lot of people educated, a lot of people influential, a lot of you to stand in various sectors, and you see that there's a part of the mountain series where we're dealing with that, where we're talking about the mountains of society. The reason why we want you to dominate the entertainment industry, yes, entertainment. The reason why we want you to dominate the fashion industry. The reason why we want you to dominate the political industry is because trouble is, in the meetings where people meet to make decisions, they only call the Christians to come give the opening prayer. And after they've made their decisions, you come and give the closing prayer. You're closing a prayer to what? Exactly. We need Christians involved in the systems of the world. And this will only happen when church becomes a place of transformation 
rather than just becoming a place of saying amen because you know especially when i was starting there are people who questioned my ministry style because I, i'm not really the type for every week you come you hear about the new car you receive like praise god for the cars please receive them in jesus name however they are not the most important thing you need to grow up spiritually and if people are not growing up spiritually there'll be there'll be trouble i was thinking about it and these are just my thoughts i was i was thinking about it there's no way there's no way man can sit under these teachings allow them to transform him and they can go out and rape and there's no way they are judged the judgment that would come upon them understand why do you remember when jesus talked about certain cities he said some of you cities if sodom and gomorrah had seen what you've seen and heard what you've heard they would have repented honestly we are trying and so the aim is for everybody to grow up spiritually there are many people here who've been in church for a long time but are absolute babies they've been babies all their spiritual life if there's such a thing called a spiritual life babies don't know anything know very little And so we are dealing with the foundations of those things. After this teaching you have no excuse to be a baby spiritually. Turn to your neighbor and ask how long have you been in Christ? It's one thing to be in the church, it's another thing to be in Christ. If any man be in Christ is a new creation. Hallelujah. It's one thing to be in a religion, it's another thing to be in Christ. So for you to grow up spiritually look at what the scriptures say uh uh-huh. hebrew 6 paul was talking to the church and the, the discussion starts from hebrews 5 so take me first to hebrews 5 give me verse 13. it says uh verse 12 or 11 start from 11. okay now in verse 11 paul is talking about a man called melchizedek now, how many of you have heard of Melchizedek in the Bible? No, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Just be honest. How many of you have heard of Melchizedek? Raise your hands. How many of you, it's the first time you're hearing the name Melchizedek? Raise your hands. Okay. So, Melchizedek first appeared. Uh, Abraham met Melchizedek. He's called a person with no father. No one knows where he came from. And Abraham gave his tithe. Melchizedek and then Jesus is called the high priest after the order of Melchizedek hallelujah are we still together (laughs) so now the apostle Paul is is teaching them about Melchizedek and then he says we have much to say about him but it's hard to explain because you are dull of hearing in short the apostle Paul would have taught more about Melchizedek but here's the reason why he couldn't teach more on that topic. Next verse. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So the reason why revelation sometimes is withheld, the reason why we don't get to go into certain topics in depth is because though by this time many people ought to be teachers, they still need someone to tell them, don't do this. Don't do that. Love God. Can you lift your hands or else? I don't know if you're getting my point. Like, please, though by this time, you ought to have had five people you can point at to say, okay, I've been in Christ for a year or so. There are these five people who have also led to Christ and I've taught them a few things. You still need somebody to tell you. Come to church. Because the boy like church. I don't know if you're getting my point. So when people choose to remain babies, then the amount of revelation is withheld, either by God or even by the person teaching. Hallelujah. And that's why, you know, there are times somebody asks me certain questions. You know that there are certain questions which to answer them, you need to answer them by answering other questions which they've not asked. Now think about this. How do you expect us to go in depth? How can we teach on... There are certain things you'll never understand as a believer if you don't know that you're a priest. There are certain things you'll never be able to walk in as a believer if you don't know that you're a king. There is a certain lifestyle you will never live as a believer if you don't know that your body is a temple. That's why you will notice, I always get, you know what, you know what bothers me? When Paul was rebuking the church in Corinthians, when Paul was rebuking them on sexual immorality, you know what I find interesting? He didn't even, he didn't teach them about sotas. It's like for some people, for you to stop something as in you need somebody to show you how the devil is involved and they are connected to 52 people and what not. But guess what he told them? He told them, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He referred them to their divinity. In short, a believer doesn't need to be taught about A believer! A believer doesn't need to be convinced through how the devil will fight you if you do this. A believer should be, that's why the Bible says, I'll remove the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh is movable. A believer is movable by God. I'm sure some of you noticed we were, during our Songs of Zion session, we were singing, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm sure someone was waiting for us to sing, and the devil knows that I am a winner. There's a reason why we're singing, and the Bible knows that I'm a winner. In, in our praising, we try to focus our attention more on God rather than Satan. I don't know if you get my point. In our, in our praising, like sometimes I don't know what, like, okay, let me just move on. Let me move on with my life. Once I start pondering, I've, I've always found certain things pointless. Like, lower Satan, lower, lower. Like, so what do you think is happening to him? lower him. Do you know how low he already is? The Bible says that Jesus is in heavenly places far 
above all principalities and powers and you are in Christ. As in, <laughs> as in that's when you will see people now like, like they really need to show the devil. They will look, hey, Lord, I, <laughs> I afterwards you're like, what were you doing? No, I was praising God. How? Though by this time you ought to be teachers. No, let me not. <laughs> no, let me not. Please, people of God, allow me to move on in my life. Can you allow me to move on? Because if I continue right now, I'll start talking about the whole Satan. <laughs> Because you know that means because the biggest question is how on earth did he get on your back in the first place? <laughs> then after you've bailed him in this praise session, the very next week again. <laughs> what were you doing? No, I was praising God. So permission to move on with my life right now. <laughs> I'm feeling a certain way. But what I'm trying to say is that believers must be so movable. How can I put it? A believer, I'm giving an example of how a believer should be. A believer shouldn't need a special anointing that day or a special message that day for them to give. The Bible says, let each man give as he has purposed in his heart. That's why you find some people put receipts in the offering basket. Never plan their offering. Hallelujah. And you find the receipt has got like a lot of things bought and then two coins inside. No, that's not the story of the woman with the, the woman who gave the two coins. That was all she had. The quality of her giving was higher than a person who's, who's like, we even see a receipt. <laughs> I'm just saying, a believer should be movable by God. So it says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For solid food is for the mature, right? Who by reason of use have learned how to discern good from evil. So solid food is for those who've learned to use the word. There's, notice it says by reason of use. Meaning you can become skillful in the word by using it. So he continues this in chapter 6 because we are the ones who divided these things in chapters. Uh Uh-huh. Chapter 6. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Doesn't this remind you of Ephesians 4 which shows you our assignment? Because Ephesians 4 tells us that he gave some apostles, pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists for the perfecting of the saints. No, the Bible doesn't say he gave apostles, pastors, prophets to solve their problems. That's that's very elementary. They would start by solving their problems, but their aim was not to solve. Their aim was to make them problem solvers. I don't know if you're getting my point. It didn't say he gave them prophets to heal them. The aim is not just to heal them. After they are healed, it's to make them people who can go heal others. I don't know if you're getting what I'm trying to say. So it says, leaving the elementary, the discussions, the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Now for us to climb up the mountain, there's something that's needed. It says, not laying again the foundation. Somebody say the foundation. Foundation. Say it again, the the foundation. Meaning, 
your Christian life, I'm using this word loosely because there's really no such thing as a Christian life. It's your life. So can I use your life? You understand me now, right? Your life in Christ, your walk in the Spirit is as good as your foundation. Turn to your neighbor and say, how are your foundations? Turn to another one and ask, how are your foundations? Your walk in the Lord is as good as your foundations. Your walk in the Lord is as good as your foundation. The Bible tells us about two people who built their houses. One built it on sand, the other built it on solid ground. The one who built it on solid ground, what happened? When the winds came, it didn't fall off. The one who built a sand castle, as nice as it may have looked, the moment a storm came, it fell off. You're as good as your foundations. So as we are climbing up the mountain, today I'm dealing with foundations. So turn to your neighbor and ask, how are your foundations? So it says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. I think I explained this last week. eh? Like, when it comes to foundational teachings, repentance from dead works, as in, we need to come to a place where there are certain things we're not talking about at church. We can talk about growing in the spirit. We need to come to a place where it should be abnormal in a church service for us to say, leave that married man. It should be, it should be abnormal. But, anyways, in other countries they say amen. And of faith towards God. Uh-huh. Let me give you other examples of foundation. So faith towards God is a foundation, right? Like, it should come to a place where for you as far as you're concerned, Jesus, the Son of God, I believe in you. Like, that's it. I believe. Like, that should be settled. That should be settled. Like, you shouldn't, a believer shouldn't be at a place, does God exist? Does he not exist? Does it, ah, just, that should be settled. Doctrine of baptisms. We shouldn't be sitting the whole day talking about baptism. It's so clear in the Bible that people were baptized when they gave their lives to Christ and when they were baptized, they were not babies and when they were baptized, they were put in the water fully and removed. It's so clear. And it didn't say baptism, it says baptisms. It's so clear in the Bible that when people were baptized in the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. It happens in Acts 3, it happens in Acts 10, it happened in Acts 19. Two or three witnesses, a matter is established. Basics. Hallelujah. It's so clear. The trouble comes when we've been exposed to religion before we've been exposed to the Bible. Because most people's arguments are not even scriptural. They are sentimental. Let's be honest. Most people's arguments are just sentimental. It's just because no, our fathers did it like this. No, this is the way I was brought up. Praise God for that. But have you seen what the scripture says? Have you, do you remember the woman who came to Jesus in John 4? Didn't she say, our fathers worshipped in this mountain? And Jesus was literally saying, you guys worship what you don't know. In short, their fathers were wrong. Okay. Glory to God. <laughs> Doctrine of baptisms. Laying on of hands. It's so clear in the Bible that we lay hands to heal the sick. We lay hands to ordain. We lay hands to impart. It's so clear that the lesser is blessed by the greater. Because in the spiritual realm, there are ranks. 
and no one breaks ranks, no one breaks formation. By the way, all these things are taught in foundation class. Resurrection of the dead. This one is also, I, I think it's one of the, it's quite clear in the Bible. It's clear. If, you read, if you've read the book of uh, First, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter number 4, I think verse 16, somewhere there, it tells us there'll be a shout of command, the dead in Christ will rise first and all this and all that. It's so clear. Scripturally, uh, some people have asked me before, uh, when a person dies, where do they go? It's like, I, 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 we've come to Mount Zion, city of the living God, spirits of just men made perfect. So where are they? They're in Mount Zion. Those who've died in Christ, that's where they are. Hallelujah. Uh, eternal judgment. Does hell exist? Yes. Jesus wouldn't have spoken about it if it didn't exist. If God is so good, why do people go to hell? If God is so good, why are they receiving him? No. Will we bend forever? Or will we bend for a minute? I don't want to find out. <laughs> go check. <laughs> then come tell me. Nevertheless, <laughs> we're dealing with foundations. So turn to your neighbor and say, how are your foundations? When building a house, what's the first thing you have to work on? Foundation. Give me Psalm 11 verse 3. One, two, three, read. Read it again. What does that show you? That even, listen, when foundations are not dealt with, I'm telling you, even a righteous man can look wicked. David is so, he says the foundations are destroyed. Watch what the righteous do. So what does Satan aim to attack? It's foundations. Usually it's the foundations. Usually it's the foundations. That's why, how can I put it? There, we will never necessarily believe the same as everybody else. But at least let our foundations be consistent. That's why if, even with the person that you want to get married to, Ensure your foundations are at least consistent. You may not believe the same preachers, but at least have your foundations consistent. Believe the same Jesus. And progress from there. You know what the Bible says? Can two walk together unless they agree? So meaning people either agree to believe something or they agree to live the rest of their lives compromised. If foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So we are dealing with foundations, to our neighbor foundations. And you know me. I will explain it. So what is the source of our foundations? What foundation are you building your faith on? What foundation... Are you using to climb up the mountain? What foundation are you using to build your house? 
you do know that you are you are a house of God. So on what foundation has this house been built on? Let me explain something. This should be the cornerstone of every house. Let's read Ephesians 2 verse 20. Having been built, uh-huh, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. So, as believers, we've been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, the contextual interpretation of this is not talking about apostle friend or uh, prophet Johnson. uh, I'm sure there's a prophet Johnson somewhere in the world. The foundation of this is not talking about that. I've seen this scripture used before to tell people that apostles and prophets are the ones who need to Ah, that's not what the Bible is saying there. So it says, having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus in Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, what is this talking about? What were the prophets in the Bible talking about? The prophets were all pointing somewhere. The apostles were also pointing somewhere. Ask your neighbor, have you been built on the foundations of the prophets and the apostles? Do we have it? Can I have it? The prophets... Actually, one day that thing pointing the other way, though. Nevertheless, you get it. The prophets were pointing this side. They were all pointing to someone. Read Ezekiel. Read Isaiah. Read Jeremiah. Read the book of Psalms. Read the book of Daniel. They were all pointing towards a Messiah. That's why the concept of the Messiah was not strange. It was not strange. Reason being, they knew that there was going to be a Messiah who was going to come and set people free. So the prophets all pointed towards Christ. That's why the Old Testament is the revelation of Jesus Christ, but it's concealed. You have to be able to put the pieces together. Remember when we did shadows and types, we were able to see that the old was a shadow of things to come. Hallelujah. They all pointed towards Christ. An example is Isaiah 53. Who is it talking about? It's Christ. Not so. When it says he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. What was the, who were the prophets pointing to? Christ. What about the apostles? The apostles, well, who are they pointing to? Christ. 
the apostles now were establishing that look jesus christ jesus of nazareth is that messiah that the prophets talked about that's why if you read the book of acts read the book of matthew you notice Matthew would write scriptures then he would say, this is to fulfill what was said by the prophet Isaiah. Notice the book of Acts. They would say, when they would explain, when Peter would stood up to explain, and he said, no, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is to fulfill what was said by the prophet Joel. That in the last days I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall, shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Notice how they started, they started, showing that the substance of what the prophets prophesied was Jesus Christ. And so the prophets point towards Christ, the apostles point towards Christ, and what do we have? There we go. So the prophets are pointing towards Christ. The apostles are pointing towards Christ. So you see that the scriptures, the cross is only complete when you've got Christ at the center. So if all you have is the prophets, then it's not the cross. If all you have is the apostles, then it's not the cross. Put them together. Let them both point towards Christ and there we have it. That's our foundation. Ah, somebody can say glory to God. Ah, Pundi, just come. For those who cannot see it. This is our foundation. This is our foundation. The prophets pointed towards Christ. The apostles pointed towards Christ. And you notice we have the cross. Hallelujah. We have the cross. If you don't have an understanding of what happened at the cross you will not have then there will be, be a problem with your foundations when you realize that at the cross Jesus Christ of Nazareth was your substitute no listen to me a lot of us have not fully understood how can there are certain things about the cross that many of us have not fully understood let me give you examples I've taught it before. Some of us have not understood the significance of why Jesus of why Jesus had to bleed seven times. Or so to say, not necessarily seven, but seven ways, so to say. Many of us have not understood the significance of why on the cross Jesus didn't say, my father, my father. What did Jesus say? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many of us don't understand why he couldn't call him father. Somebody say glory to God. At the cross, Jesus became sin. Listen to me. He didn't carry sin. He literally became sin. You know what that means? God couldn't look at him. God is so faithful to his own principles that he had to turn away from Jesus. Jesus, for the first time, and if you've read Hebrews 5 verse 7 from the Amplified, you realize that this was the moment Jesus was terrified about. You realize that what terrified Jesus about the cross was not the physical pain. It was the fact that for the first time, God was going to look away from him. 
How come he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want you to understand this. Salvation, is it free? Yes, for you. It's free for you because someone paid the price for it. You, you have to understand. You have to understand that mercy on us meant judgment on Jesus. Hey. Mercy on us meant judgment on Jesus. Our salvation is of great value because Jesus paid the price for it and he paid the price with himself. You have to understand that he became sin. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, the Bible says, God made he who had no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So every sin that we ever committed, he became it. That's important for your foundation. And it was punished by God. That means, if any person gives their life to the Lord, it would be unfair for Jesus to punish you. It would be unfair for God to punish you because you already punished somebody on your behalf. The Bible says, it's, if, have you ever read the context of the scripture? It's been appointed for man to die once and then judgment. You know the context means that Jesus was already judged on our behalf. At the cross, he became sin. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, cursed is the man who hangs on the tree. At the cross, Jesus became a curse. Yes, that generational curse you keep praying about every day. At the cross, Jesus became a curse. At the cross, he became a curse. That's why they spat on him. At the cross, he became a curse. I'm just giving you examples. At the cross, he became poverty. Have you ever seen what the Bible says? It says, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who although being rich, he became poor. So through his poverty, you might become rich. I hear people saying, no, you shouldn't grow in wealth because Jesus was poor. And you know, there are different researchers. There are people who, okay, let's say he lived on earth poor. Isn't it thought we could be rich? Then the Bible says he became poor so he can become rich. At the cross, he became poverty. Can you imagine what was he owning? What did he own at the cross? His garment, they stripped it and shared it. The Bible says of him, in a, Isaiah looks at him through his gospel and says there is no beauty that anyone can behold him. You think anyone was saying, that, wow, Jesus. So he was blooded up. He was from being whipped. He was tired. He was stressed. How, how do you think he looked that day? And then they tell them, guys, this is your king. Can you imagine the shame, eh? This is your king. Most of the disciples couldn't bear the sight. Although there was one who caught the revelation. Caught John. <laughs> he was there. And guess who didn't leave him? The women. <laughs> and those they didn't leave him, they remained. I don't, know how, I don't know what Mary was thinking. And Jesus looked at Mary and said, Woman, that is now your son. Went in at John. John, that is now your mother. But you know, what, you know what that shows you, by the way? Responsibility. He still ensured there was someone to take care of Mary. Hallelujah. At the cross, he became everything. The old man. Here's why we baptize people. When we baptize a person, come please. Or since he's there. When we're baptizing, the moment we get them like this, we are saying at this point, 
They're at the cross with Jesus. They've died with him. That, these are necessary for your foundations. That old man that did all those things. That old man that aborted. That old man that stole. The law may consider you a thief, but God may not. Because God made a covenant with his son Jesus. He promised saying, look, let's make a deal. I'll be merciful. If any of them believe in you, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. Give me John 3 verse 16 and 17. I just want to show you something. For, for purposes of your foundations, you have to get this right. John 3 16, 17. Come on, you know John 3 16. Everybody, one, two, three, go. Where there is the world, put your name. One, two, three, go. Hold on. So it means the gospel according to Jesus. This was Jesus himself preaching the gospel. The gospel according to Jesus does not emphasize God's hatred for sin. It emphasizes God's love for you because his love triumphs even over judgment. His mercy triumphs even over judgment. So God loved you more than he hated your sin. Can you imagine? The Bible tells us what, what extravagant love that God has shown us, that we can be called children of God. We are told in the scriptures that even where we were yet sinners, he loved us. So somebody could be listening to me today and you're not born again. I'm telling you that the emphasis is not even on what you've done wrong. It's on what Jesus has done. And the moment you give your life to Christ, God will judge you not on what you've done, but on what Jesus has done. That's the foundation of the gospel. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But whosoever, it doesn't say some people, it doesn't, it, it doesn't discriminate. He said, whosoever, if anyone, anyone, just anyone, no matter who they are, whosoever believes in him shall not perish. What should they believe about him? They should believe that at the cross, what did he become? Jesus came in the flesh and then at the cross, he became that old man. He became everything you don't want to be. That's what he became. And verse 17, I want verse 17 highlighted alone. This is the gospel according to Jesus. Verse 17, he says, and this is a key principle. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Of course, he already knew we were wrong. Of course, he already knew we had fallen. Of course, we already knew we were not perfect. But he did send his son in the world to condemn us. He didn't come to tell us how bad we were. You know what he did? He sent his son so that through him the world might be saved. Turn to your neighbor and ask, how are your foundations? That's why the Bible says, hey, come back. That's why the Bible says, even if you fall into trespass, listen, go back to the photo. Even if you've fallen, if you're in a situation right now, you could be watching me. I don't know when you're watching. You could be listening to me even five, ten years from now. If you're in a situation right now where you've messed up with your faith, you've messed up with your Christianity, the Bible says we've got an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. Come back. Come back. Hallelujah. Come back. So at the cross, put to death for my sake, on the cross for my sake. When you know such things, you sing songs with depth. Eh? And I love him forever. Woo. Okay. 
Then, this is our foundation. It points to a man called Jesus. At the cross, he became everything we didn't want to be. And then he was buried. That's why we baptize. When we baptize a person, we are saying, when you're getting baptized, you're saying, I am publicly identifying with the birth, with the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if all you know is the cross, you might have trouble with your spirituality. You might have trouble with your foundation. Let me tell you why. Have you read Romans 10 verse 9 says about salvation? If you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised him from the dead, meaning if all we know is that he died, all we'll preach is the past and all we'll have is a funeral service. While we're remembering the mighty works, he was a good man. But come on, do you know what the gospel is? Do you know what the good news is? The good news doesn't end with him dying. Come on. The good news is that that man who was dead rose again. Give me the next photo. Come on. <laughs> the good news. Listen, can you imagine how the disciples felt? Can you imagine like, you know, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Hide it. I can imagine Mary Magdalene is, and all those are walking. Then the people are telling them, why are you so sad? Where have you gotten all the spices? And then, I don't know, I somehow feel she was black American. So she turned to them and said, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? <laughs> Were you there? When they, do, do you think she had a good night? Do you think the disciples had a good night? Do you think they had a good three days and three nights? How do you think it was? do you think that day was it for them? How do you think Peter was feeling about himself? You find maybe Thomas is walking saying, at least in a sin, I'm still going to deny. <laughs> because until that point, they were still not born again. And then, <laughs> by the way, you'd read the gospel according to John. The gospel according to John, like Mary went there, I'm sure you remember what happened. When she came back and told them he's alive, according to the gospel of John, Peter and John ran. And then he even describes himself, he says, then the younger outran the older one. <laughs> what, what's wrong with John? <laughs> How many of you know John was believed, according to history, he's believed he was a teenager? And Peter, it's believed he could have been, he was probably above 30, it's believed he was about 40. The guy outran Peter. It became a competition. I don't know why he had to emphasize that the younger outran the older one. <laughs> oh, can you imagine when they just heard the rumor that he's resurrected? The rumor that he's resurrected gave the Pharisees headaches. It gave, <laughs> I don't know if you get my point. Just, just the rumor made them pay guards. I don't know if you're getting my point. And then Mary, Mary is there. And she didn't tell her she's talking to the Lord Jesus. And she says, where have you taken him? Just tell me where he is. Then Jesus goes like, 
Mary. And she says, Raboni. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, listen. It's not the first. Lazarus was resurrected, eh? But his resurrection didn't bring as much joy. Because this man, there is stuff that he went to deal, in, deal with in the underworld. He grabbed the keys. I don't know if you're getting my point. That's why he came back and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And then you can imagine when Peter and John discovered this side the Pharisees are having headaches. So they went about in a castef. Yes, Hallelujah. Okay, yeah, 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 Hallelujah. Anyways. Glory to God. I've got a feeling. That's probably the day they remembered what happened in the Old Testament. Remember that God which used to look like a fish called Dagon. And then they put the Ark of the Temple that time. So I've got a feeling when they were walking home, maybe they were not yet permitted to tell people. So they were just speaking into my parables. So maybe when they, when they walked near Dagon's Temple. Dagon! Dagon! do you understand why when david was praying it's almost as if he went into the future and he prayed and said restore to me the joy of my salvation there is a joy that (laughs) okay so what are we saying that same jesus something happened he resurrected now at the resurrection this is where your life began because at the resurrection you became a new creation at the resurrection you became a new creation at the resurrection you became righteous at the resurrection you became justified you became sanctified you were glorified you were given a measure of faith and now you can say Christ in me, the hope of glory. Glory, glory, glory. That's why you can approach the same addiction you had before going to the cross. But this time there is something that has changed. There is an ability that has been given to you. Because now the same ability Jesus has to resist sin has been given to you. That's why now if something happens, we'll correct you. Because you are too holy for it. It's at, listen, it's at the resurrection. No wonder it says, no wonder it says that if you believe the Lord Jesus and that God raised him from the dead, meaning there is a problem when you don't understand the resurrection. No wonder people are short-circuiting. The moment you don't understand the resurrection, 
you will sit down and say, no, just keep living my life like this. Kaviri Amanda, a generational curse. Maybe Satan has asked the Lord for... The moment you understand that at the resurrection you are given authority, you turn and say, hey, one, two, three patterns. No, 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 you've got no business with me. I'm the seed of Abraham. I've come to the spirits of just men made perfect. Meaning, you see all those just men in the Bible? Only their perfections. That's your generational pattern. So in short, you are Solomon without the wives. I don't know if you're getting my point. You are Samson without Delilah. Come on, somebody. Because you have come. You have come to Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God. To the heavenly Jerusalem. Some people have always wondered, Apostle Fred, why do you talk like this? Is it that you don't believe that this stuff is there? I know it's there. The Bible says, surely they shall gather against thee, but not in my name. But whosoever gathers against thee shall surrender to thee for thy sake. That's Isaiah 54 verse 15. Then in verse 17 it says, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises in judgment against you, you shall refute. The Bible says, in the Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, that blessed be the God of our Father Jesus, the, the, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. You can't fight what you're under. The moment you live your life, I've, I've been doing ministry for some time. Every person I've prayed for who believes they're under a curse, I'm not the last person they come to see. They go see somebody else as well. Then they go see somebody else as well. Then they go see somebody else as well. The moment you get this doctrine and you identify any pattern that doesn't look like God, you will rise up. Because according in the New Testament, we don't sit and wait for God to do something. No, no, no. The Bible says, Behold, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to defeat all the powers of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. So you are the one to take up your authority. As we are told, according to Ephesians 6, to put on the full armor of the Lord, it's up to us to put it on or not. And you know the first thing in the armor of the Lord that's given? It's the belt of truth. Paul was describing Roman soldiers. Now the way Roman soldiers were, is that their belt would be made in such a way that it can hold their shield. That's where the shield would rest. That's where the sword would rest. In short, in spiritual warfare, your first advantage is the truth that you subscribe to. Your first advantage is what you've believed the word of God has said about you. Because if you don't believe the truth, where will your sword rest? Where will your shield rest? Your sword and your shield have to rest in the truth that Jesus finished the works on the cross. And that when he resurrected, you became a new creation. That's how you do your warfare. That's where it starts from. The moment you realize that, then you'll stop fighting for victory. You'll start fighting from victory. Because you are of God, little children. That's scripture. Let me show you a scripture. First John 4 verse 2 to 3. You can go back and stand. First John 4 verse 2 to 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That shows you something. Even the Holy Spirit points towards these same foundations. Look at the next verse. 
And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. What does that show you? The spirit of the Antichrist attacks foundations. Some, and listen, the physical Antichrist we, according to scripture, we know that uh, his appearance will mainly be manifest during the time of the great tribulation. Not so. So some people are really concerning themselves. Eh? Like the others who are saying, no, if you, if you do those things, maybe for your ATM or for something, where you have to use your finger, they will put 666 on you. Even if they put 666 on you, nothing can happen. The mark of the beast will be gotten deliberately. And it's not going to be now. Uh, have I left a few feathers there? So use technology. Don't worry. Let's exhaust it. So by the time we go, use it. Come on. <laughs> the same people used to say that TVs were evil. Now they're preaching on TV. So the Antichrist spirit is already in the world though. You can tell because sometimes it manifests in your classrooms. Haven't you ever seen the Antichrist spirit manifest? How, how I remember how, there was a day I was shocked. I was in a psychology class in second year. And we were being taught about dreams. And we were being taught if you dream this, it means this. If you dream this, it means this. I asked, where did you get your information from? And some, one of their sources was a person called Sigmund Freud. Do you know how Sigmund Freud got his information? He used to study people who were uh, people who were experiencing mental issues. Those were the people he was studying. And he got that information and generalized it to the whole world. So I asked, so why can't you believe me if I tell you what the Bible says about meetings of dreams? Why are you so quick to believe Sigmund Freud but you can't believe the scriptures? No, shan, 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 no. As in, there are people who can go to the lengths to defend that somehow we evolved from a monkey. And then some of the monkeys have just been left behind. I don't know. They are still waiting for their brothers and sisters. So, <laughs> when they walk about in the forest and they see a monkey, they say, Ah, brother, how are you? You evolve so some, for some reason some monkeys have been left behind. It takes so much faith to be atheist. A lot of it. How, how on earth can you believe a, a, this watch? This watch is not as complicated as a human being, especially certain human beings. I have not pointed at anyone. The guilty are always afraid. But listen, if you are to get all these particles of this watch and just throw it in the air and leave it for a million years, would it form a watch? Ticking and all those things. And somehow you can believe that, I don't know, like some atom, where it came from, we don't know. It was just existing. Then the atom met with another atom. Hi. Let's become human beings. Let's have emotions. Let's have feelings. Feelings in way. You think that... <laughs> Let's have emotions. Let's have feelings. Some more than others. 
I don't know if you're getting my point. But the spirit of the Antichrist will always try to emphasize, will always try to mess with your foundations. Before you know it, it will try to get you to argue, no, Jesus was white, Jesus was black. The Bible doesn't care about that. The spirit of God points that Jesus was flesh. That's what's important. But he wasn't white or black. He was Jewish. How are your foundations? Do I still have a few more minutes? Yes. Now, allow me to say something else about our foundations. If I'm to start that, that will be another one hour. I can move it to next week. eh? How many of you have been blessed? You can give glory to God. 